So um, in preparing for this message, I really wanted to focus on uh, just communication in relationships. And I know everyone's in it at a different stage in life right now. Maybe you're struggling with uh, work colleagues or maybe you're just wanting to n navigate life in general because that's pretty, you know, that's important too. So uh, anyway... So the title of my message is We Can Work It Out. That's a song by the Beatles, by the way. <laughs> we can work it out. Oh my goodness, this is me and technology. Where are my kids when I need them? Okay, thank you, Lord. I just asked the Holy Spirit, I just said, Lord, can you just give me a picture of what it looks like when we're communicating to each other and, the, you know, the... We're either misreading or not understanding what the other person looks like or what they're saying. And we kind of, uh, the Holy Spirit gave me this picture of headphones. Um, because I find that when I communicate with my husband, sometimes, you know, you have that picture as a kid, you know, when you don't want to hear something, you go, no, 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 And the Lord said to me, Kathy, when you're having a discussion with your husband. This is what it looks like. And so I've got headphones here. And so when we're communicating to one another, so basically I can't hear anything. So when we're having a discussion, I'm like, I can hear my own voice. So when we're having a discussion, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know when you're having a discussion, you're thinking about what to say next. <laughs> and uh, I really feel like this is a picture. And he said, Kathy, that's what pride looks like. Wow. Pride looks like putting on your headphones and leaving them on and waiting for your, you know, next move, waiting for the right thing to say and waiting to win. And I really felt like this is a picture of what pride looks like. And uh, there's a scripture, um, you know, Sam and I have been married for 24 years. So it's been a long time. And so we kind of, our, our discussions or disagreements have become shorter. So in our first year of marriage, it used to take a week to resolve something, like a week. Um, and I always thought I was right. And he was probably the first to say sorry straight away. And uh, that was a pride issue in my life because I didn't have role models uh, growing up where I could see, okay, this is how you resolve conflict. This is how you talk about it. And I know, you know, watching my parents, I never saw them argue. All I saw was a door being shut and that's it. Or I could hear the, you know, car driving off and I'd be, okay, they they must be having a disagreement. But I never saw how my parents resolved it. And my parents are amazing. They were amazing parents, but I really kind of wished I saw how to resolve conflict. And so when I was uh, getting ready for marriage, I had these on the whole time. And the music I was lis listening to was probably the music of insecurity had that turned up. And so when I walked into our relationship, I walked in with insecurity turned on. I had jealousy and anger turned on. I had a lot of things going on. 
And it took an amazing man called Jesus to change my attitude, the way I looked at myself. It took Jesus to show me, hey, you don't need to live like that for the rest of your life. Take the headphones off. And so when we would have a disagreement, I would I'd be like, oh, insecurity would be turned up. And Sam would just say, come on, we need to resolve this. You know, there were moments when we had to get people in to be mediators when we have discussions in our first year of marriage. And I was not the bigger person, by the way. Uh, here's, here's a story I'm not proud of. Uh, in our first year of marriage, and I just started my uh, first year of Bible college, I had an NIV study Bible. And we, you know, I was so mad at him. And he was like, oh, you know, come on, we need to talk about this. And I picked up the Bible. <laughs> and I don't know if it was me, but I went flying towards him. <laughs> and he said, you just threw the study Bible at me. And, you know, we had, we had to ring in some people like, can you just help us out, please? Because, you know, Sam's like, my wife is crazy. I've married a demon. So, you know, it was like, wow. And so it was crazy in our first year of marriage. I did not know how to resolve conflict. And I just pray that this morning we would download God's wisdom. Not, you know, not Oprah's wisdom or anything fancy like that. But God's word stands forever. So let's read from Philippians 4, 2 and 3. And it says here, now I appeal, this is Paul. He says, now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. It must have been so important for him to put it down, you know? You just think... Yeah, it's a disagreement, Paul. Why are you putting it in? Because he knew that people of faith have disagreements. This is like normal. This is normal life. We do have disagreements. And he says, and I ask you, my true partner, so he's asking a friend, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. You see, these women had a disagreement. And I think the most important thing is that we do settle them. Now, sometimes we're not going to see the perfect result. But you know what starts with you? It starts with me. Who is going to make the first move? Can we meet in the middle? And sometimes you do need an outsider to mediate when there is conflict. You, say, uh, you see, it says in Proverbs 1.20, it says that wisdom shouts out in the streets and tries to get our attention. When there is conflict or when we're in relational um, upheaval or, you know, drama, wisdom is shouting out, hey, remember, I've given you God's word, hey, Remember, you've got others in your life that can help you out. Wisdom is shouting out. Wisdom is trying to get your attention. And I love what the Passion Translation says. It says, wisdom's praises are sung in the streets and celebrated far and wide. Yet wisdom's song is not always heard in the halls 
of higher learning. But in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, its lyrics can always be heard above the din of the crowd, above the noise of the crowd. You will hear wisdom's warning as she preaches courageously to those who stop to listen. We need to tune in to wisdom. It says in Proverbs 2.2, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. In Proverbs 2.11, it says, wise choices will watch over you and understanding will keep you safe. James 3.13 to 18, it says, if you are wise, understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, I mean, I know what that's like. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Don't be like, I'm all good. No, there's nothing wrong with me. Be honest. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You know, when there's jealousy and selfish ambition in you, I know this firsthand when I've been so angry. I'm not thinking, I just want to bless you. I just want to give you a hug. No. When there's jealousy and selfish ambition and anger, that's the last thing you think about. You think of something that's evil, that has, you know, evil intention. You're thinking, I hope they trip over, you know, or I hope something happens to them that's not good. That's what happens. And that's what I'm saying. It's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It says you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times. Man, no pressure, right? (laughs) It's gentle at all times and, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruit of good, de- of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is sincere. You know, the thing is, when you're getting wisdom from a friend, make sure that friend, so maybe you're, you've had a disagreement with uh, your spouse and then you see a friend, which I don't re- recommend like all the time, you see a friend who doesn't like your spouse. And so you see them and like, you shouldn't show any favoritism, right, when you give advice. So you say, oh, look, you know, Frank's being, you know, horrible to me. And your friend goes, leave Frank. He's terrible. I told you I never liked him. And so this friend is showing favoritism. It's like, no, well, I don't like, you know, I told you. Don't go to that friend. So true wisdom shows no favoritism. They give good advice and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. See, wisdom, this is what wisdom sounds like. It's pure, it's undivided. God's wisdom is peace-loving. What does that mean? It puts high value. 
on easing conflict. It's gentle, it's considerate, it's ready to serve. I'm getting convicted as I read this myself. <laughs> it's willing to yield to others, ready to see things from another person's point of view. How many of you right now are thinking of a relationship where you're like, okay, I need to be peace-loving, <laughs> easing the conflict, not adding to it. Full of mercy, fruit of good deeds, show no favoritism, sincere. You don't need to be fake to get something out of that person. But what gets in the way of wisdom? Well, that's where I wanna talk about pride. See, I know what pride is like first off. I've experienced it, I've struggled with it, and at times I'm like, you know what, Lord? I'd rather leave my pride headphones on because some people are complete idiots, you know? And that's a proud person talking. That's how pride talks. See, the opposite of pride is humility. What does pride look like? What is pride? Pride is when you see yourself better than the other person, but it's also seeing the other, you know, for me, it wasn't that. For me, it was, I'm focusing on myself. I'm so insecure. I feel so inferior. I feel worse than that person. Do you know it's the same thing? You can feel like you're better than someone, but also, if you think you're worse than somebody, that's pride. And it took me marriage. It took me living with someone and being vulnerable with someone to realize, actually, there's an element of pride when I don't think I'm good enough, where I don't think I'm enough, where I walk into relationships thinking, I've got nothing to offer. That is what pride looks like. Maybe you've walked into here and you look at someone and you go, oh, I'm way better than that person. Surely no one thinks like that, right? I just wanna read this quote. Actually, you know, the thing about pride and the thing about church is the cool thing about church is you're in an environment where there are people that are sitting amongst you that you would never be friends with in high school, am I right? Like, look at the people next to you. Some of you are like, I'd be too old to be with you in high school anyway. <laughs> I've made friends in this church who are like so geeky, love reading. And I'm like, this would never happen in high school. In high school, I would be the one smoking in the back shed, right? And then I'm friends with someone who was just so brain, you know, book smart. And I'm like, this is God. This is God. Can you mix with people that are not like you? Are you comfortable with people that are not like you? Well, well done for people coming to church today because we're all different and I want you to celebrate who you are in Christ. Celebrate the people next to you. Come on, give each other a hand. Awesome. There's a quote by Lewis Meads and I want to read it out. Is it up there? Lewis Meads, there it is. Oh, that's quite tiny. Can you read that? Okay. Pride, actually I'll read it up there. Pride in the religious sense is the arrogant refusal to let God be God. 
It is to grab God's status for oneself. In the vivid language of the Bible, pride is puffing yourself up in God's face. Pride is turning down God's invitation to join the dance of life as a creature in his garden and wishing instead to be the creator, independent, reliant on one's own resources. Never does pride want to pray for strength, ask for grace, plead for mercy, or give thanks to God. Pride is a grand illusion, the fantasy of fantasies, and the cosmic put on. That is pride. I know, think about that. (laughs) This message is getting me right now, okay. James 4, 1 to 3, it says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within, within you? And you see, there's a scripture here in Proverbs, and it says in Proverbs 13, 10, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. See, the ego wants to get attention all the time. I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, I've kind of, yeah, I was brought up in Epsom, Polynesian family living in Epsom, and, you know, I'd always get people saying, what's it like living in South Auckland? And I'm like, I don't live in South Auckland. I live in Epsom. So, you know, it's a stereotype Polynesian family anyway. People think you live in South Auckland. I grew up in Epsom, which is quite a a wealthy area. And uh, I did notice I was a little bit different, but not that much. And so I think growing up there has helped me to kind of be friends with anybody. Because I think sometimes when we come out of a, you know, out of our background, maybe you grew up in, I don't know, wherever, and you know, there's that saying, what comes from that place stays in that place or whatever, and I just think, no, 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 no. I was brought up in Epsom, and um, I always had a feeling or a sense of inferiority. I just felt, just, I don't feel like I'm good enough, and I kind of grew up with that. Until the Lord challenged me when I said yes to him at the age of 14. I was so amazed at the uprising. And, you know, my daughters, they hustled. They brought their friends along from their school. And they're so passionate for Jesus. And I look at them and I think, man, I'm so glad they don't have the same inferior complex, inferiority complex that I had growing up. They're confident, but that's Jesus. That's remaining in him. And so, I, uh, so when uh, I got saved, I said yes to Jesus, my life and my confidence started changing. It says in his word that he is the glory and the lifter of our heads. So no longer am I like, you know, kind of like looking down, but I started to look up and see the possibilities. And the Lord really challenged me growing up as a teenager. Come on, Kathy. You're not inferior anymore. You are valuable and you are valued. 
I heard this amazing quote by, um, I can't remember who it was, but she said, you know, it says in John 10, 10, that the, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And you know, a thief doesn't rob an empty vault. And as soon as I heard that, I went, oh, actually, you know what? I was meant to be confident. I was meant to be brave. And it was almost like I opened the door with my insecurity, saying to the enemy, come on, steal. Steal my joy. You can steal my confidence. When it was already inside of me. But it took Jesus to unlock who I really am. And humility is saying yes to God. I agree with you, God. I am valued. I am valuable. And sometimes, you know, we need to be alert. There is an enemy out there who wants to steal, who wants to kill and destroy what's inside of you. And so when there is conflict, when you start feeling, you know, cornered and you go, oh, you know, my first response is to be defensive. This is where we need to get down on our knees and say, God, I need you. So that's my testimony. Inferior, not feeling good enough. Yet that was pride. That was me focusing on myself. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction. You see, what is pride? Pride is focusing on self. But what does pride do? Pride is destructive. I love what the message version says. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. A proud person doesn't learn from their mistakes. They can't take criticism. And pride distorts and colors everything that you see. That's why we need Jesus and we need to take these headphones off. Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Humility says, I need God every day. Pride says, my way is the only way. And how is that working for you? How is your way working for you? It's time to ask God, I need you in my workplace. I need you in my decision-making God, I need your wisdom. That's humility. Humility is not saying, okay, God, um, I'll ask you when I end up in a crisis situation, but let me take over. No, that's not how it works. We need him every day. I've had to work on my tone. You know, it's all about tone when you're uh, married or when you're a parent. I've had to work on how I tell my kids to clean their rooms because I'm like, clean your rooms, filthy pigs, you know, and then (laughs) Sam's like, you need to ask them in a, you know, more encouraging way. You know, I've heard people say, oh, you know, you need to speak into them what they're not. So I'm like, oh, you're so clean. I'm saying that, gritting my teeth, right? Because I'm like, there's still stuff on the floor drobe, you know? 
And the floor drove should not be a thing. That's what the wardrobe is. I've had to watch my tone when I'm frustrated with my husband. You know, uh, it's, the, it's the little things, the little things that annoy us, right? I remember, you know, some people are really annoyed at loud chewing. I can't handle it, right? He's not a loud chewer, but I, it just really ugh, grates me. Sam said that what I do that annoys him is I leave, I don't put lids on things. Sorry, I know some people are like OCD, like, oh. But you know, if I use a toothpaste, I don't put the lid back on. Oh, I can feel your judgment. I can feel your judgment. Like that's minor. But Sam will say to me, Kathy, put the lid on. I'm like, you need to watch your tone, Sam. You need to watch your tone. Even working on how I look in terms of my resting face. Now there's another name for that, but I won't say that. But Sam will say, can you smile more? You just look so angry and grumpy. I'm like, this is my normal face. He's like, just smile a little bit. I'm like, that's fake. That's so fake, Sam. I'm not into being fake. He's like, no. But there's something called joy and a smile. So I've had to work on that. I've had to work, because sometimes people are concentrating. Have you ever been offended at someone because you think, oh, they're giving me an evil look? That's their normal face. Now, I'm not saying don't change, you know, like, oh, just change who you are, smile all the time. I'm saying just look in the mirror sometimes and just concentrate and then see what you look like. People would be way, maybe Euodia and Syntyche in, in, in Philippians for two to three, maybe the disagreement was their face. Maybe she was like, they're ministering together and she could be resting, you know, her face like, and Syntyche could be looking at her going, why are you looking at me like that for? People get offended at the most strangest things. But I've had to work on my tone, how I speak to my family, how I speak to people in church, how I speak to people in public. We, we do need to work on that. Pride says, no, I don't. This is who I am. But we want to be more like Christ. We want to be more like Christ, and that's a goal. I want to grow in humility, and it's so hard, but we can do it with Christ. Amen? Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Finishing is better than starting, and patience is better than pride. Maybe you've had a bad start. Maybe think back and you go, oh, actually, I really messed up there. Can I just say to you there's hope? There is hope because finishing is better than starting. It's how you finish the race. It's how you finish things that matters. People don't go, wow, that was such a good starter. You know, when I was um, an intermediate, I was a really good sprinter, 
when it came to cross country, I used to hide behind the trees. So I would sprint and then I'd find the bushes and I would like kind of hide there and wait till, and then I would cheat. Anyway, that was the old Kathy before Christ. <laughs> but I started off so well in cross country. But finishing? I don't think I finished. I think I cheated my way out of there. And that's not the way to do life. There is hope in Jesus. He is the author, author and finisher of our faith. And it says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Humility says, I need people around me. Pride says, pride says, <laughs> I'd rather call the shots. Who needs friends? See, the reason why we do need people in our lives is you, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. We need to be a bit more self-aware. And what do I mean by that? When there are more people in your life, you'll have honest people in your life who will tell you, hey, mate, the way you spoke to me wasn't, you know, the way you spoke to me wasn't that nice, and you, you probably need to work on that. These are people that are for you. I'm talking about people who are for your destiny, people who will encourage you, but also speak the truth into your life. These are the people that will say, hey, um, have you tried the new deodorant? <laughs> I've got this awesome toothpaste that you should try out. You know, we need people, because sometimes you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And I'm only saying that because <laughs> I'm so thankful being part of a youth group where we had leaders that would talk to us about, hey, you know, you need to watch your language or, hey, can you just stop gossiping? Stop complaining about your spouse. Have you ever thought, you know, we need people in our life See, what pride does is pride isolates. Pride doesn't take advice. It's like, no, nah, I'm all good. Are you? Has, hasn't anyone ever told you about deodorant? No, I smell all right. It's like, well, actually, a lot of people are saying. And what it does is it, it saves you. People's advice will save you. I'm just saying that. Their wisdom will save you. Now, that was just a little example, right? Deodorant. So minor, but so impactful. <laughs> like, if you've ever been in a mosh pit, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm saying from the pulpit. Deodorant is your best friend, okay? Deodorant is your best friend. It's the little things that need to be addressed. The little things. See, I had an anger issue uh, growing up, then I brought that into our marriage, and it wasn't like outbursts of anger, it was the little things, it was my tone, and it's not like I just worked on it one day and it just left, and I was just such a happy person. See, wisdom, when you ask God for wisdom, wisdom is actually a path, and so it's little things 
that have to become a habit. And I just want to read, read out this quote. They say, it used to be 21 days to form a habit. Now they're saying it's 66. And then I think it's like longer now. But anyway, there's a quote here by Tyron Edwards. I just want to read it out. It says, any act often repeated soon forms a habit. And a habit allowed steady gains in strength. At first it may be but as, as a spider's web, easily broken through. But if not resisted, it soon binds us with chains of steel. So I had to address the habit of anger. And it was little things like my tone, my facials, um, getting easily agitated. And I had to get to the root of that as well. But I had to form a habit and say, okay, God, so my normal reaction and defense mechanism is anger, but I need your wisdom. So along the path, I'm gonna make it a habit to walk in peace. I'm gonna make it a habit to change my tone. I'm gonna make it a habit, God, to walk in wisdom, walk in your ways. And it, <laughs> we've been married 24 years. There have been moments where I've stuffed up, where I've said, oh man, God, I know your way's right, but right now I just wanna rant. Right now I just wanna shout and get angry. But that's not God's way. That's not God's way. Let's form good habits. Have people in our worlds who can talk to us straight, who can talk to us and say, hey, I love you, but you need to change this. And humility allows people to give you advice, allows you to be vulnerable, and that's hard. Last year, I was going through just a lot of stuff internally. Um, I had stuff going on in our family with my mom and my brother. And I just thought, I can't do this anymore on my own. I mean, Sam knew what was going on and I said, I need to see a professional counsellor. Now, some people would say, you're an overcomer in Christ. And I'm like, yeah, amen. You don't need to deal with that. And I'm like, actually, I do. There were things from my childhood. There were things that I had to let go. There were things that I need to pray over. And I sought a professional Christian counselor who could walk with me through that process of forgiveness, walk with me through that process of, okay, I need to deal with my anger. But asking for help is not weakness. It's not weakness, it's wisdom. Proverbs 15:22 from the Amplified Version says, without consultation and wise advice, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they are established and succeed. I love this one. Proverbs 26, 16 says, lazy people consider, consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. I had to talk to a friend of mine who, who's really addicted to Fortnite. 
addicted. Married. Anyway. <laughs> and I just said, hey, <laughs> you probably need to focus on your marriage and stop playing with the Fortnite, right? Kind of listened, kind of not. But I just want to say, I wasn't the only one that was telling him. You might think, oh, you know, I'm fine. But lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. If people are talking to you and saying the same thing, listen. It will change your life. Proverbs 11.30 says, The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. And lastly, humility says, Sorry, forgive me. I was wrong. Or I forgive you. And I'm not making light of this because this, this is something that's probably closer to me now than ever before. Because as you get older you can get a little bit more stubborn. I'm 44 now, so it's like, whoa, closer to eternity, right? Not really. (laughs) Not really, but anyway. This is what true humility looks like. Before I read out the scripture, I just want to share a story. My daughter Ruby and I went to a, a conference in Melbourne a few weeks ago, And the speaker there was talking about confessing your sins to one another. And I thought, oh, wow, that was awkward, isn't it? Anyway, she says, okay, I want you to turn to the person next to you and confess your sins. And I went, what? So we're in this conference. I'm standing next to my daughter. And I'm like, confess my sins? No, thank you. So, um, and then everyone did it. So we had to. So we're like, okay, so we turned to each other. And I felt the prompting. This isn't something I would do lightly. I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to tell my daughter about someone who was withholding unforgiveness toward, and it was my brother. (laughs) Um, Just to give you a bit of an overview, this is, uh, my family's been going through legal, a legal situation, and basically my brother, for some reason, there are things going on in his life, has mistreated my mum. And, and for me, I love my mother so much. And I thought I had forgiven him. I thought I was fine. But in that moment of confessing our sins to one another, I said to her, I haven't forgiven your uncle. And she went, she kind of looked at me like, haven't you? You know, like... Mom, you're a Christian, anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, and you're perfect? Clean your room, you know? But I was like one of those moments, like. So that was the pride coming up. I was like, oh. So she said to me, Mom, thank you for telling me. And after that moment, I just cried. And I said, I don't know if I can forgive him. And I'm like, Kathy, you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah, you know. All these things are going on. Like, forgiveness should be your best friend. I'm like, yeah. And I said, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And then Ruby grabs my hand. And she said, Mum, 
She prays, I pray that your heart would break for your brother. And I went, oh! <laughs> and that was the hardest thing to hear, but it was wisdom. And it came with humility. Thanks, Steve. It took everything. Because I just wanted to punch him in the, like, oh, you know, like, thoughts of, you know, oh, I just want to, and then my, my daughter's like, no, mum, I pray that your heart would break for him. I pray that you would start to see him through the lens of love. And she starts praying all this stuff, and I'm like, Jesus, can I forgive him? And then he showed me this. So this is Isaiah 53. Can I forgive? He was despised. This is Jesus. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. We turned our backs on Jesus. He was despised. And we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our weakness he carried. My unforgiveness, my pain. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep, relevant to New Zealanders, have strayed away. We have left God's paths. Follow our own. To follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. All my sins, my family's sins, generation of sins. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Do you think you've been treated harshly? Jesus carried it all. He took it on Himself. This is what we were meant to have. We were meant to die a horrible death, yet He took it upon Himself. Yet He never said a word. He never said a word. Most of us would complain and whinge and post it on Facebook and post it on Instagram. Those subliminal like, oh, you know, I know this guy and he, you know, he lives in such and such. And you start to put all these quotes about this person because what you're really saying is, I'm in pain, I'm hurting. Jesus has felt it all. He has lived it on our behalf. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without, without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and he never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal he was put in a rich man's grave. This is Isaiah 53. And this is where I was reminded if the music, music team could come up, please. Take off these headphones. Take off pride. Who do you think you are? I know what it's like 
I died a horrible death for you. Jesus, who embodies forgiveness, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And this is a saviour that we say yes to and we worship. But still we have these headphones, these pride headphones on because we don't want to do it God's way. Well, this morning I pray that you would take off pride and you would put on humility. I just want to pray for everyone right now. Thank you, Jesus. Can everyone stand? I feel so free after confessing that to my daughter. I feel like a different person. Was it easy? No. Was it hard? Yes. But I had to be the first to say, I forgive him. I had to be the first. You know, if I waited for my brother to say sorry, oh, it'd take a million years. I had to be the first. And some of you are in the room and you're waiting for someone to say sorry to you. You're waiting for someone to do the first move. Well, you know what? Our God sent His first and only Son to take our place. God knows what it's like to bring His first. And so this morning, I want you to bring your first and say, God, I bring this situation to you. Lord, help me to be wise. Help me to forgive. Holy Spirit, I pray, open my eyes, open my ears to tune in to you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room. Speak. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen.